Well, amen. I hope it's well with your soul this morning. Um, man, welcome to you, that uh, all of you. And if you're visiting with us today, a special uh, welcome to you on this uh, last Sunday of 2019. Man, that's hard to believe, isn't it? I know we say that. We said that, you know, like, like December 26th. Wow, it's over. And uh, here we are at the end of, uh, of another year and saying, boy, 2019 just began. Well, um, 2019 is just about history. Uh, but it seems, seems like we were just in this spot a year ago saying, wow, 2018 is almost history, and we're moving into 2019, and here we are uh, just a couple of days away from 2020. It will soon be upon us, and uh, that sounds like something out of Star Wars or something, doesn't it? 2020? I mean, you know, 2018 and 19, and that just kind of was numbers, but now 2020, wow. And... Uh, we're, we're almost there, and as we look forward, I trust, to beginning another year, I uh, want you to think a little bit about um, what God has in store for you, because I'm going to share with you, I know what God's plan is for your life. Say, uh-oh, this is really going to be a weird message. Well, I hope not. No, that's not my intent. But uh, as we think about that, I want to ask you a couple of questions as we start. First of all, can you identify the hand of God at work in your life? As you think about 2020 and look back through 2019, uh, this year, almost 12 months now, um, as you look back over 2019, do you see the hand of God at work in your life? Can you point to some really amazing things that God did for you this past year? Can you look at those things and say, that was the hand of God? There's no question. Or as we many times say, oh man, that was a God thing. Right? Have you ever seen, uh, my best friend, we talk all the time, he says, unseen Jesus Things happen, and you look at that, and you go, I, I know God's at work. Jesus is there. We just didn't see that it was him doing it, but the hand of God. Can you point to some of those things? I hope there's a number of things that you can regularly look at in your life on a weekly, monthly, maybe daily basis. Say, look what God's doing. Look what God's doing. I look back, and, and we had, uh, had our sixth grandchild last February. Josie Rosie came along. And, um, and just uh, a couple of months ago, um, our daughter and son-in-law announced to us, number seven grandchild is on the way, and it's going to be another little girl. For, for a while, the boys were outnumbering the girls now with... Uh, this new little girl coming along in April, the, the girls are going to take the lead. So, John, <laughs> no pressure. 
keep the Amos name going, all right? Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I look back over this last year, and a year ago now, we, we were not thinking about a sabbatical, and uh, yet God uh, opened the doors for that and made that possible, and Jane and I were able to take this summer and uh, just disengage and and see friends and family and, 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 and just rest and relax. And that, that was a God thing for us. Something that God did that a year ago now we, we did not plan on. We did not intend to be thinking through or, or participating in. Over the last two months, we've seen a couple men right here as part of our family come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Just a couple of weeks ago. I had the opportunity to be with one of those guys when he trusted Christ as Savior. I tell you, it, it's just an amazing work of God when, when you see that happen. I, 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 you're going to hear more about these two guys da down the road and what God did, but no question about it, the hand of God. When, when you look back on those things in 2019, did you acknowledge God's hand, God's activity in your life. Did you point to, did you say, look at what God did. Uh, God did something amazing. And when we do that, were you grateful? Did you thank God for what he did in your life, for what he provided, or for just solving some issue or bringing solution or whatever it may have been to some issue in your life that you were struggling with? Uh, do you regularly talk in your life with your family as husbands and wives, as parents and children, as kids in the home, as friends? Do you regularly talk about what God is doing in your life? Do you think about that? Uh, boy, that ought to be a regular part of the conversation in your life, in your family in your circle of friends, in this church, in this body of believers. We ought to be regularly talking, look what God did. Let me ask you another question. As you think back over 2019, do you have any regrets? Oh, oh boy. And you might be saying, your response might be, well, everybody has regrets. I mean, certainly there's, there's always something that we wish hadn't happened that way, that we may regret did happen that way. Well, um, I, I don't know what those things may be, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to think about that as you evaluate where you were in 2019 and where you want to head in 2020. As I think about some things, regrets, um, I, I, I was sitting down and I had the opportunity to think ahead because I was going to share some things with you this morning, so maybe I can be a little bit more uh, focused on sharing, but I, I, this isn't spill your guts day, all right, or in the next couple of days as you begin to think about New Year's resolutions or whatever, but I, I, there are some things that I would like to see changed in my life. I want to be more intentional about a lot of things. I want to be more intentional about thinking about, praying for, developing relationships with people who do not know Jesus. That takes intentionality. You, you, you don't just get out of bed in the morning and, 
and, and, and walk through your day and, and hope that God might bring somebody across your path who doesn't know the Lord. I mean, you can, I, do you pray that way? Our outreach strategy, we talk about regularly, pray, invest, invite, P.I. squared. Are you praying for people who don't know Jesus? Are you asking God to bring them into your life? Are you asking God to give you opportunities to, to talk with people who don't know Jesus, to build a relationship with people who need Jesus in their lives? I want to be more intentional about doing that. I want to be more intentional about showing love and kindness to my wife. You say, well, have you been a bad guy this week or this year? I, I, I hope not terrible. It was my birthday yesterday, and Jane said a lot of nice things to me, so I, you know, I, I think I must have done okay, at least for the last week or so, right? But, but I, I want to be more intentional. I was just, I don't know about any of you, but when you lose something, isn't it always easy to blame your spouse or your kids or somebody else? So I'm walking around yesterday evening, and I'm looking for um, my wash rag just because I was going to take a shower, and, and I'm like, where is it? Oh, did Jane take that and put it in the wash? <laughs> well, I had hung it around the corner somewhere, and, 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 and I found it this morning, but I didn't say anything. I thought it, but I didn't say anything. You know, it's always, I, I don't, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to just be looking to blame others, to blame Jane, to blame anybody else. I, I want to be more intentional about being kind and loving and, and showing that. I want to I be more intentional about overcoming procrastination. Anybody procrastinate this year? Anybody put off something that you should have had done before January 1st, 2020, you've been putting it off for a while. I don't know how long. I, I want to be more intentional about accomplishing things. And I could go on, but I, I want you to think about this. Whatever that list is, long or short or somewhere in between, how will you overcome those regrets? How will you correct those things? How will you fix those things? How will you set up a strategy so that a year from now, you're going to make sure that in 2020, those things that you regretted in 2019 didn't happen again. You see, you need to think that through. You need to be intentional about that. Let me ask it to you this way. All of this, what is your plan to be more like Jesus in 2020? See, I told you I knew God's will for your life for this coming year, and it is to be more like Jesus. That's not just the mission of Heritage Baptist Church, more people, more like Jesus. It is what God says in the Word that we need to be working on on a regular basis. We need to be working at becoming more like Jesus in every area of our lives because you know what? God has a plan for that. God has a plan for your life to become more like Jesus. He is actively at work in your life. You want to see his hand 
doing some great things in your life? Do you want to be able to sit back a year from now and look back and begin to have a long list of things that God did in your life that helped you to become more like Jesus? Start as you begin to think about praying about that, but thinking about what are those things that you need to do. And this morning, I want you to know that God has a plan for all his people to complete his purpose in our lives. God has a plan for all his people to complete his purpose in our lives. And we're going to look at that in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. If you don't have a Bible or a tablet or a phone and you want to follow with us underneath the chair in front of you, there should be a Bible uh, close at hand in that Bible, page 787. And uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Romans chapter 8 is an amazing chapter. I mean, the whole chapter is just... I'd encourage you, as you begin 2020, sit down and read through it a few times. Think through it. Pray through it. Don't just read through it and say, okay, check the box, I'm done. I mean, really think about, pray about what it is you're reading because it's just full of amazing truth. It's full of assurance of your salvation. It tells you what you and I need to know, what will be true of those of us who know God because we've put our faith in Jesus Christ. It talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to bring that assurance to, to just say, to grab hold of our heart and our mind and say, yes, you know Jesus, if this is true in your life. There's a lot of verses that are well known, but two of those verses, or certainly at least one of them, is probably one of the one most known verses that, that we use in the church we refer to when things don't go well for us. When life gets hard and things go South, we typically quote Romans 8, 28. But follow with me as we read these two verses. Verses 28, 29 of Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. All things work for the good of those who love him. You've heard that if you've been around the church at all. You've used that verse. I hope not just when things don't go well, but when things go well. When things go amazingly well. We typically don't look at that then, but that, that's the same thing. God is at work, and when all things work together for, for the good of those who love him, it's like, wow, look what God did. It's not just when there's some tragedy or difficult experience or hard time. And while I'm on that subject, I, I need to mention to you, you need to pray for Ben and Marge McGrew. Long-time members here at Heritage. They, they may be um, charter members. I think they very well are. Alan's shaking his head. and Yeah, charter members. And uh, they are really in some physical need. Marge is, was in the hospital this past week for a while. 
She is now an allied and uh, getting some rehab. They're trying to get her strength built up so that they can do heart valve surgery. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a tall order, folks. And Ben, who needs somebody there, he's been at home, he's struggling. In fact, somebody came to visit him, and he, on the way to the front door to answer, fell. Uh, he's just having a hard time. Beth, their daughter who lives in the area, has been sick, trying to care for her. Their son David is coming in to help provide care. But folks, we need to pray for the McGrew family because there's going to be some need of long-term care. And you may be seeing this coming week some opportunities for us as God's people, as the body to gather around them and provide some care and, and, and some things that they need. We're trying to figure out with them what it is that we can do. What are their needs? Pray for them. But as we think about this this morning and talk about God's plan for your life, I want us to start with these three things. First of all, I said God has a plan. And that's found right there in the beginning of verse 28. In all things. We know that in all things God works for the good. We know absolute confidence in God's sovereign control of all things. God is in charge. He is in control of everything that happens in this world, everything that happens in your life and my life. There's nothing that happens to you. There's no circumstance, event, individual, whatever that happens in your life that God isn't aware of. And that God will not work together to bring about his purpose in your life. And we're going to get to that purpose. Absolute confidence that God is in control. Well, how do we know that? We know. Well, it happens as we know Scripture, as we know the Bible. We have the Word of God to know, to understand what it is that God's doing. Now, now this doesn't tell us every single circumstance that God's going to bring into our lives, but he lets us know that in the word that he's in control. We use the word sovereignly, all-powerful. He's got the power to control all, and he does that for us. But we come to know the truth of God's sovereignty, of God's control, when we are studying, reading through God's word. We also know when our experience we, uh, we have opportunity to see God at work in our lives. Now, I just want to be very careful. Sometimes people get a little nervous when we talk about experiential things. And the reason is because some people put spirit, experience above God's truth. And you can't do that. It works the other way. When our experiences are in line with God's truth, we're safe. When people begin to talk about experiences that go against the truth of what God's Word says, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we better be careful. We better slow down. We better take a look at what God's Word really does say to determine whether or not we validate some new thought or idea or what we may think is truth based solely upon, well, I experienced it. That's what I went through. That's what I believe. doesn't matter what we believe or think. 
All of that must be founded on the truth of God's word. Acts chapter 4, if you just want to keep your fingers there in Romans 8, look back a few uh, chapters into Acts. Turn back to the left a, a few chapters. You get out of Romans and into the book of Acts. And, and uh, wow, that, that's an amazing story there of, of the early days of the church after that began. The history of the church in the early days. And Peter and John had been arrested for proclaiming the gospel, for sharing Christ, for telling people that Jesus died for their sins, in their place, and they got arrested and put in prison. And after they were there, we get into chapter 4, and they were released. And in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Because what they told them was, you guys got to stop preaching. Peter says, hey, (laughs) sorry, we can't help but talk about what we've seen and heard. And then they get God's people together and they have a big prayer meeting. And Peter prays that that Peter and John, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Then down to verse 27, as they're praying to God, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city. They're in Jerusalem to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your, look at this, verse 28, Acts 4. They did, who? Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles who murdered Jesus. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. That's how they're praying. They knew that to be true. They understood God's power. They knew the Old Testament scriptures, that the promise was there, that God would use these people to crucify Jesus, to send him to the cross. He would be buried, but he would rise again from the dead, proving that he was the Son of God, the only means of salvation for those who believe. They knew that. Peter and John experienced that. God's people there in the early church in Jerusalem experienced it. But that's the sovereignty of God as they pray. Herod and Pontius Pilate, they had no idea that they were being used by God to accomplish his purpose. Even though it was putting Jesus on the cross to death. Because God's plan was that would happen so that the blood of Jesus Christ would forgive our sin. That's why we're here today. Because we've been forgiven. But the sovereignty of God, as Peter and John prayed, they said, yeah, God planned beforehand what Herod and Pontius Pilate would do. Because God's in control. God has a plan. We know that in all things, Every detail of our lives, the good stuff and the bad, the pain and the joy that God works constantly. He uses every circumstance, every person, everything, every detail of our lives that takes place, not by themselves, but as ingredients, we could say, as ingredients in a recipe 
individual things. There are some things when you go, I know my mom used to make the best cake in all the world. She, she years ago, made it from scratch. I think then she got a little older, she started making cake from a box. But Jane got the recipe, and Jane would make it from scratch. Well, I won't tell you all of the things that are in a chocolate cake recipe, but some of those things you wouldn't want to eat by themselves. They wouldn't taste good. They're kind of bitter and things like But all together in a recipe, man, it was the world's greatest chocolate cake. That's what God does with our lives. Uses all the details, all the experiences, all the circumstances. Why? Because he has a plan for each of our lives. Now, you don't have to believe that or agree, but that's what the Bible says. And his plan for 2020 has not changed. We could look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and if you just want to write down 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28, those are the verses that Paul, as he was serving God, is recounting all that he's been through. He'd been shipwrecked a number of times. He'd been in the water. He'd been beaten with 39 lashes a number of times. All of what he had to do. Persecution. He'd been accused slanderously. He'd been unjustly criticized. He'd been uh, treated sinfully by God's people. Ever had that happen to you? He'd experienced sickness and 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 all kinds of health issues and 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 yet God used all of those difficult things to accomplish his will in his life and God will do the same thing to use all events all circumstances everything in your life that you experience to work together to accomplish his good God can bring evil out or good out of evil, even the sinful choices of other people. Because God has a plan. We may not always understand or feel like that's true, but we can know that God is in charge. But, but God's plan for who? Who, who is this true? We're, we're talking, you say, Glenn, you're talking like all of us are true, but what, who is the who? Well, that's the second point. We said God has a plan for all his people. All his people. Look at it again, verse 28. In all things, God works for the good. God orchestrates every detail and circumstances of your life. There's nothing that God is ever surprised by that happens to you. Nothing. That's a pretty cool thing to know. That can be a very comforting truth to grab hold of when it seems like Nothing is making sense in your life, but God uses it all. So God has a plan for all his people. In all things, God works for the good of those, here's the who, who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose, those who love God. Who's that? Well, all believers, 
All who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. All who have acknowledged the fact that Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross in my place for my sins. He paid the debt that I owed God for my sin. He shed his blood. He gave his life. And in just a few minutes, we're going to remember that with communion. And he did it so I could be made right with God. And he did it so that you could do the same thing. So when he says, all who love God, we're talking about those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Only those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can't say you love God. Because it wouldn't be true. Only those who know Jesus can say, I love God. So he's talking about all believers. Those who have been called according to his purpose. There's some pretty deep theology here, and I'm not going to get into that too deeply, but those who have responded to God's call to salvation by faith. God has sovereignly been at work. The Bible talks about the doctrine of election, and we struggle with that. We shy away from it. We get nervous about it because we sometimes don't understand it, or when we do, we don't like what it's saying. We don't like the conclusion sometimes that, that we have come to, that, that God cho- chooses those who come to Christ. That's what Scripture says, and here it is. Those who have been called according to his purpose. If you know Jesus t- today as your Savior, God has called you to faith in him. And that has been an effective call. It has worked because you know Jesus. You say, well, I'm not sure I like that. That's okay. If you don't, just believe. And you'll come to love it. Because it's a great, amazing truth. Those who are the called according to his purpose, guess who that is? All believers. Those who know Jesus Christ. This is not about, as it says, those who love God, those who have been called according to his purpose. We sometimes may think, well, that means those who are really spiritually mature. These are people who have been saved for a long time, who are really living a godly life and who are walking with God and who are acting like a Christian or walking in the Spirit. That's what Paul talks about back in chapter 8, verse 9. No, 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 we're not talking about that. Is it those who love God more than others? No, It's those who love God, those who are believers, who are saved, who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's who. So if you have trusted Jesus Christ today to forgive your sin because you believed in God's plan for you, Jesus' death on the cross, then you are a believer. You are those who love God. You are one of those who has been called according to his purpose. So God works all things for your good because he loves you as a believer. So what's the purpose? That's the last verse 29, to complete his purpose in our lives. He does all of that to complete his purpose in our life. He has a plan for his people those who believe, those who have exercised faith, those who love God, to complete his purpose in our lives. Verse 29, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You say, man, what is that? A lot of big theological words. Yeah, but they're really not that difficult. 
as, as Paul is talking about this, those he foreknew. We, we have to make sure we understand those whom he lovingly chose, those who he established a relationship. Some will look at that foreknowledge and say, oh, God looked down through the, through the quarters of time and he saw who would believe and so he chose them. No. The word has to do with establishing a loving relationship with. And God has established a loving relationship with those who believe. He foreknew. He chose us. Why? Because he loved us. He established a relationship. Those who he foreknew, he predestined. He directed those specific details and circumstances of our lives. He directs, he predestined, he puts our destiny to become like Jesus, to direct a person to a specific goal or outcome. Predestined, God chose for us. Say, what means I didn't have a choice? No, you do. Because the Bible still says, even as it relates to salvation, that whoever believes... Whoever, whosoever will can come. So the choice is there that we must make it. And we sometimes say, well, they conflict. Well, Scripture says both truths, so you believe both truths. And we come to the conclusion that God loves us. He sent Jesus to die for us. He established a relationship with before time. He foreknew who would believe, or he predestined, he didn't foreknow who would believe. He did in his head, but that's not here. That's not why he chose us. He chose us because he loved us, period. God loved the world. And he chose you for salvation because he loves you. And he predestined, he directed every single circumstances of your life to accomplish his goal and outcome, which is Look at verse 29, to be conformed to the image of his son, to be like Jesus. That's how I told you I know God's will for your life for 2020. Because God has a plan for your life. For those of you who believe, who love God, who have received the gift of salvation, He wants you to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. He wants you to be like Jesus. That is your plan for 2020. That is God's plan for your life for 2020. That's it. To be conformed to the image of his son. It's like father, like son. I'm still amazed at some of the things my kids do, my boys do. Just all of a sudden, somebody will, wow, and that looks, that's just like what your dad would have done. And my kids are always saying, you're just like Grampy, talking about my dad. Like father, like son. And the more we get to know Jesus, the more we become like Jesus, the more we become conformed to the image of his son. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. Now we are children of God. But 
What we will be has not yet been made known in the future, but we know that when Christ appears, we sang about this morning, Jesus coming back for us who know him. When Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow, won't that be great? Glorified perfect bodies. No more pain, no more sickness, no more sorrow. We will be like Jesus. Ultimately, that's what will happen. But while we're alive on this earth, it is God's plan for your life for 2020 that you become more like Jesus. And you know what's pretty cool about that? There's no vagueness at all. When we read our Bible and study what the Bible says about Jesus, we just be like that. I'm not sure that's very good grammar. But I hope you know what I'm saying. Be like Jesus. And you can ask yourself, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus treat a coworker? How would Jesus treat a neighbor? How would Jesus treat a fellow believer? And we could go on and on and on. What would Jesus do? We want to be like Jesus? We have to live our lives like that. Because I think there's an awful lot of things that we know pretty clearly without even having to give much thought. You know what? Jesus would not do that. So what's your plan to be more like Jesus in 2020? You may not have thought about it yet. Well, you got a couple of days. What's your plan to be more like Jesus? Are you looking for? Will you recognize? Do you expect God's hand in your life in 2020? Are you asking God to show himself strong on your behalf in your life this coming year? Are you asking God to do some things that you've never seen him do before in your life? Don't raise your hand, but if I was to ask you to raise your hand and say, how many of you here this morning, keep your hands down, don't nod your head. How many of you here this morning have ever had the opportunity to lead an individual to, to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior? If you have not, why don't you begin to ask God to give you that opportunity this year? For you to begin to pray about a person who doesn't know Jesus, begin to invest in their life, and begin to think about opportunities to invite them to here or there, your home, wherever it may be, your church, whatever, to ultimately you have the opportunity to invite them to know Jesus. Whew. I, I got to tell you, there's nothing like it in all the world. There's just not. To see the miracle, and we've got miracles, we're, we're, we're all miracles. If you know Jesus, your life has been changed, but we've got some people that were in miracles this year that came to know Jesus this year. It's amazing. Are you one of God's people? If not, you can be today. You can start 2020 as a believer. By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, acknowledging that Jesus died 
in your place for your sins. He died on the cross. He gave his blood so that your sin could be forgiven, so that the wrath of God would no longer be hanging over your head, so that you could become a child of God. God can change your life sitting right where you are right now. How are you becoming more like Jesus? How will you? It can be done. And I'll close with these two verses. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verses 31 and 32. Right after where we just looked. What then shall we say in response to these things? It's like Paul's reading our mind and going, wow, what do we say in response to all this? This is what he says. If God is for us, who can be against us? People, if we begin 2020 with that truth ringing in our ears, if God is for us, who can be against us? And if we lived every day of 2020 with that truth on the tip of our tongue, if God is for me, who can be against me? Oh, there may be some people that stand up and put their hands up and try to keep you away and all. But if God is for you, who can be against you? And then he goes on, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, we've been talking about that, Jesus, but gave him up for us all. He went to the cross. He died in our place for our sin. He was buried. He rose again, proving he was who he said he would be. He would do what he said he would do. He saved us. He provided salvation. How will he not? He who gave him up for us all, how will he not also, God the Father, how will he not also, along with him, Jesus, along with giving us his son, Jesus, for our salvation, how will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? Woohoo! I mean, that's like Christmas every day of the year. That's what Jesus does. And that's what he will do for you and I who say, in 2020, I want to be more like Jesus. He's given us all we need. If God is for us, who can be against us? Father, oh, don't let these just be end of the year truths they're actually every day of the year truths but as we get a little bit reflective and contemplative at the end of this year about the new year coming oh god would you burn within our hearts who know jesus who love you who have been called according to your purpose god would you weigh down our hearts with a desire to be more like Jesus in every way? The way we talk and the way we think and the way we act. And the way we live our lives. And the way we treat people who don't know Jesus and the way we treat people who do know Jesus. Oh God, help us to see that that's your plan for 2020 for each of us who know Jesus. And God, if there are any here today who don't know Jesus, 
who do not love God, who haven't been called according to his purpose. Oh God, as they've heard the truth, only by the truth of the word of God that we share, God, would you save them? Would you change their life? Would you bring conviction about their sin and their need to give it to you and let you forgive it and live their lives for your purpose? Oh, God, thank you for Jesus.